Blog Talk Radio. Also find the CD Native Angels by Save on Amazon. 
I'm your host, Reverend Sean McCain, and I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created to provide an open-minded platform that focuses on the tenet. The Sunday is a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. All saints are welcome, and uh, personally, I'm a Christian in recovery, and all Bibles, readings will be out of the Ryrie Study Bible, but of course, you may use any Bible you wish. I've had many spiritual experiences and in gratitude. We'll have ongoing Bible readings and discussion about our spiritual experiences, reading out of the Bible, and reading from chosen material. I read out of the guideposts in Angel on Earth magazine, another guidepost. Uh, I'm just focused on being my real self and carrying the message as it was given to me. If you would like to call in, the call in number is 619-924-9744. And Sacred Sunday airs every Sunday, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Now let's say together our opening prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we pray for all the Christians being persecuted worldwide. You know, our hearts went out to all the uh, 21 men and other people uh, out there uh, that were beheaded, and uh, I just and I found a fabulous icon somebody had already painted about how the 21 martyrs that are now martyrs and they received their crowns in heaven, and I'm sure that it made their family more comforted to know they're now they are now enshrined in an icon, and uh, their lives were taken away for distorted and evil reasons. And we pray for all those suffering and the violence here at home and abroad, and we pray for those who are sick in mind and body, those who are lonely and uncomforted, and forgive us, God, for our sins. We pray for the suffering from domestic violence in our own homes and freedom from addiction of all kinds. Please, God, send your Archangel Michael to fight every evil and protect everyone, and all your angels will watch over everybody. Please, our prayers go out to all the ones who suffer in the world, including the animals that can't speak for themselves. We also pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of our policymakers. We have many decisions to make, and we pray for their wisdom for it all. We pray for the leaders of all the countries and problems of suffering all over the world. Thank you, God. Amen. We ask for Jesus to bless us and help us grow under his care, and everyone in their families are in our prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Thank you, thank you. I want to say happy birthday to anybody that has a birthday today, uh, any anniversaries or anything like that. And I want to just congratulate you on uh, happy birthday and may the next year bring you much prosperity. And also that um, anybody that got their certifications or got any any kind of uh, movement forward or uh, I just want to say we're happy with you and God bless you. And uh, may your dreams come true. Okay, if you have a special prayer request or positive intention, just let me know. You can write me a note. You know, you can do that too. Shaw McCain, P.O. Box 980, Hermosa Beach, California, 90254-0980. Also, uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can you can find a, a Bible at www.biblegateway.com. It's an online Bible. 
And also I've used this extensively, www.biblia.com. So this last week we were reading Chapter 7 where it was uh, Paul, Paul was saying that um, the believer who had died of Christ is released from bondage from the law, hence bondage to sin, and is free to experience the abundant life of Christ. So we've been set free. And that uh, we we now understand that a lot of our things uh, are of our own making and that we are forgiven and that we, there's hardly any way we can abide by the old law, which had 16, 613 separate laws that we could break, and everybody is sort of doomed to break them. So that's what happened last week. So this week, you know, the title is The Power of Sanctification and the Question of Living. So everybody get your Bibles. We're going to read Romans 8. Romans 8. Okay, let us begin. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of the life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. And for what law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, and he condemns sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. We do not walk according to the spirit of the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Now we're up to seven. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, and for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, and indeed, the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who has raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now it's talking about exalted living. We're up to 12. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by spirit you are putting your the, to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And as children, heirs also, and God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Now this is expectant living. We're on 18 now. For I consider that sufferings to this of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also be set free from its slavery 
to corruption and to the freedom of glory from the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers in the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also that we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption of sons and the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved, but hope is that a scene is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we eagerly we wait eagerly for it. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Boy, this is all so profound. I really hope you're listening to this. It's amazing. And he who searches the hearts knows that the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes with for the saints according to the will of God. And for we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be in the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. The next part is about exultant living. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? And he, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather who was raised and who is at the right hand of God, who is also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Such a powerful, powerful... Remember, that was chapter 8, and that's just how incredible and powerful it is, chapter 8, Romans. Okay, let's read the notes now. It says, The law of the Spirit of life, the working of the Holy Spirit in a life of a believer is a regular but not mechanical thing. It says, The likeness of sinful flesh. The word likeness is crucial indicates that Jesus was a true man, but not a sinful man. And we're now on 848. The contrast here is between the unregenerate life dominated by the flesh and the one controlled by the Holy Spirit. And then let's see. It says, if indeed, it's a sense, okay, 8-9. There is no doubt that the statement, those who belong to Christ have the Holy Spirit. And then separating from the deeds of the body, and adoption, the act that God places the believer in his family as an adult son. At the same time, he is born into the family of God as a child who needs to grow and develop. His position is one of full privilege, 
This practice involves growth in grace, Abba, that's Arabic for Father. Eight sixteen children. Not the word same word as the verse is fourteen fifteen, one that means born ones, like we are his real children. Eighteen to twenty five, a statement of Christian hope as it affects the individual and the entire creation. Eight twenty was subjected to fertility. After Adam's sin, God was obligated to subject the creation to fertility so that man in a sinful state might retain some measure of dominion over creation. Nature is involved for evil in man's fall. She will be emancipated when man receives adoption as sons. Boy, that's incredible. The first fruits of the spirit. The spirit is an is a a positive genitive meaning the first fruits of the spirit whose presence in us guarantees the full completion of our salvation. The accumulation of our position as adopted sons is a resurrection state. And then in hope, in just expressed hope, the future redemption of the body. And then in 26, the Holy Spirit helps our weakness, our inability to pray intelligently about situations by praying with unutterable groanings. This is not the gift of tongues, so the groans are not in words. Such intercession is accord with God's will. And then a promise not only for those who love God, but the good is conformity to Christ. And then predestined. The destiny of the elect is to be conformed to Christ. And then in 830, uh, let's see, it says, The tense of this word shows that our future glorification is so certain that it can be said to be accomplished and that those who are foreknown will be all glorified without loss of a single one. Thank you, God. And then in 833 to 34, the Father has declared us righteous. Therefore, he will not condemn us. Christ died and rose and lives for us. Therefore, neither will he condemn us. And says the difficulties are not necessarily obstacles for God's children, but his appointed way. Now we're reading 39. The last one is uh, nor any other created thing. Nothing in the universe is outside God's control. Therefore, nothing, including ourselves, can separate us from his eternal love. Amen. What a powerful chapter. I don't think we're ever going to forget chapter 8. So now we're going to read out of guideposts. And um, I had people messaging me about stopping in the middle of the story. But we're going to, we're going to be going on. So uh, let's go back to the story. So uh, let's see. So where we stopped, this is guidepost Best Love Stories. And it was about two women that were uh, fostering and adopting children. And then they were trying to get help for the drug-addicted babies and exposed babies, and uh, they're getting opposition and not much support. So here we we continue our story is, uh, uh, we'll begin from page 158. And in one six-month period, seven girls in Puget Sound area reported that 1,500 of the 8,000 babies born had mothers addicted to cocaine, crack, heroin, or alcohol. Barb and Barbara knew that the state legislature had been studying the problem, so they prepared information packets for each legislature, later the legislature, and drove the 50 miles to the Capitol in Olympia to begin lobbying. This is what's happening in Seattle, they said. We have to do something about it. And from there, State Representative June Leonard and Margarita Prentice took the reins. This is exactly what we're looking for, said Leonard. 
in August 1989, state officials approved $500,000 for a nine-month pilot program and funneled the money through the Social Services Department, where the officials presented the next hurdle. Be up and running in 30 days or you don't get the money, they told Barbara and Barbara. 30 days, gasped Barbara. How can we all do that but it needs to be done by then? But they swung into gear and found a small medical facility that had been empty for several years. At the same time, a friend told a local newspaper reporter about the program, and a series of stories began appearing in the Valley Daily News. Barb and Barbara told the reporters what was needed and the deadline they faced, and the phone calls began coming in with offers to help. Volunteers were out to come to the first planning meeting and held in the empty building. So the two women prayed, and that night, that night nearly 90 volunteers jammed into the meeting room and spilled into the porch. They were asked two questions, what can you do, and who do you know? To get the project started, Valley Medical Center donated $32,000. That opened a flood of help from the community. Now the work began. Doors and windows had to be replaced, a sprinkler system installed, the furnace repaired, walls painted, medical equipment purchased, and installed, and the staff hired in fewer than 30 days. The list of volunteers had grown to 200, but Barb and Barbara still didn't know if it was possible to put up, pull everything together in time. When things looked bleak, the phone rang, and, and it was, this is Dick West from Boeing. Do you need help? Yes, Barb replied, grateful for one more volunteer to wield the paintbrush. But when West arrived the next day, he wore a suit, carried a brief face, and had an assistant with him. The two men walked the unit and studied the plans. We could bring a paint crew in, West said, but you need a project manager. Boeing understands timelines and management, and you don't have much time. We'll provide a project manager, and if you're not ready by deadline, we'll bring people in from Boeing to help. The two women couldn't comprehend the extent and effect of such a gift, and when Doug Burroughs, in his 20s, cheerful and handsome, walked in the next day, younger-looking than their sons, they wondered if he was up to the job. But Burroughs calmly managed eight contractors, all the volunteers, and ran for supplies and permits himself as well. Listen, everybody, he kept encouraged the volunteers. We can do this. One day, an older woman stopped and asked, Do you have any special need? We would like to walk you through. Would you like a walkthrough? asked Barbara. We're making headway, but we don't have $10,000 for a sprinkling system. sprinkler system. I have a wealthy friend, the woman said. He is very particular and will want to know more about your organization. The next day, she stopped in again. I have a check for $10,000 to give you, provided you never tell my friend's name. Pediatric Interim Care Center opened October 1990. Care for one month for a drug-addicted baby is $4,000, compared to $30,000 at the University of Washington Hospital. The center's costs were lower because so much was donated, Nurses work for lower wages, wages, no benefits, and the medical director donates his time. The paid staff is minimal, and more than 100 people are in the waiting list to volunteer their help. The average treatment time for a baby is 36 days. The facility is equipped for 13 babies and has cared for more than 300 infants since it's open. It is the labor of love Barbara and Barbara bring to the babies in the center of love and care. The community rallied around the center, helping meet each new challenge. When the money was needed for a machine that measures oxygen in the blood, a nearby church gave $5,000 from tithes and offerings, just the amount needed. 
medical staff and social workers call in from across the country for information on funding, staffing, and caring for drug-addicted babies. It's overwhelming. They have no concept of what it's like going to take, Robert told a volunteer after a stage of calls. The task was so daunting that the center remains the only one of its kind in the country. But the center must care for more than suffering infants. Volunteers may also care for the mothers. When Tanya's baby, Kenya, was born on the kitchen floor, he was transferred to the, transferred to the hospital and three days later to the center. Each day, Tanya, 42, with her three other children, rode a bus across town, transferring well, to winter storms to sit with Kenny. She rocked her baby while watching her other children play around her. The reality of having a baby taken away at birth had jarred her out of the clutches of a cocaine. The drug tricks you, she said to Barb, until everything, home, family, possessions, was gone. Her voice broke, and I hurt my baby. Excuse me. The center trained Tanya how to respond to her baby's withdrawal symptoms, which could continue for six months. Babies born drug addicted are at risk for drug abuse for the rest of their lives and can suffer inappropriate emotional responses, laughing when they should cry and crying when they should laugh for a lifetime. But the center staff helped Tanya to see what a beautiful baby she had. On the day before Kenny was to go home, Tanya brought in a gray, stiff undershirt worn to the arms and the only baby clothes she had. The nurses and volunteers knew it was Tanya's birthday and put it on a baby shower and birthday celebration together overnight. When Tanya arrived the next day, Barb walked down the hall with her. We have a surprise for you, Barb said. The g- smiling group gathered around the table covered with balloons and gifts, and Tanya stared out on the decorated cake and held her with her children in her arms with tears rolled down her cheeks. Are you all right, asked Barb. Yes, Tanya said, swallowing hard and wiping her nose. It's just that I've never had a party before. Barbara and Barbara hugged Tanya. The new light shone in her eyes, and she wasn't going home in a white picket fence, but she was ready for another run at life. Now, three years later, Tanya continues to be drug-free, raising her family and doing well. The workday for Barbara, the center's director, and Barbara as administrator stretches from 6.30 a.m. until 6.30 at night. Their love for the babies keep them going, and lives are being changed because these two women had a dream and wouldn't give up and believe that innocent babies deserve a chance at life. I just want to thank you, uh, ladies, for all the work you've done and all those volunteers and all the people that donated. Uh, You you guys were amazing. And I just want to say uh, God bless you and all the work you're doing. So this story was by uh, Doris Top in North Bend, Washington, and uh, about your friends, Barb and Barbara, and I want to thank you for listening today. You know, you're really amazing, and uh, these stories in Romans 8 are are very touching, and so next week we'll go on to uh, Chapter 9, and uh, I really uh, say thank you to God and Lord Jesus Christ uh, for all the lessons that we learned today, and God bless you. So, Let's now say our closing prayer together. After a moment of silent meditation, those out there who are still sick and lonely, that they may find the love of God and the comfort of Jesus Christ. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, 
and the wisdom to know the difference. And so come back next week, and we'll get together, and we're going to read Chapter 9, Romans, and we'll have ongoing messages and another story to come to you. So bye, my friends. Happy trail to you. God bless you. May your best dreams come true and true love in your heart. Bye-bye.